0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. We're going to step right into the message. Um for the past two weekends we've been taking a look at the life and the story of Samson. So today we want to bring his story to a close, but before we do, Uh, Let me take just a moment to just a quick review of some of the things that we uh, Have learned over the past two weeks as we've looked at Samson's story. First of all uh, We've learned that uh, that God created Samson for a very specific purpose And that purpose was to take the lead in delivering Israel from the oppression of the Philistines and God gifted Samson with great strength in order to carry out this purpose Even though Samson was a man with this great physical strength, he lacked inner strength and he lacked character. And so he allowed his character to compromise his calling. Uh, Last weekend we learned that Samson was a man who was empowered by the Spirit. In his youth it says that the Spirit began to stir him. The Spirit was moving him towards uh, a passion for the fulfillment of the calling that he had in his life. Yet he was dominated by by his flesh and as a result his life continued to be a series of, of train wrecks and then we learned as we looked at Samson's life his story that um, it's possible to have uh, God-given uh, potential and ability and at the same time be very spiritually immature you recognize that you can have great God-given potential and ability and at the same time be very spiritually immature um Perhaps one of the greatest realities of Samson's life is to realize that Samson's story is not really Samson's story, but Samson's story is God's story of how he works on behalf of his people. Uh, Samson's life, uh, as we look at the story of Samson, is a reminder of how God works in us and through us despite our humanness and and despite our failures. Um, As it relates to God's creation and purpose, uh, we're all very unique. Uh, But in that uniqueness, we all have something in common. And what we have in common is failure. The question is not will we fail, but how will we respond to the failure when we do fail? Let me say that again. The question is not will we fail, but how will we respond to the failure when we do fail? Um, Samson's story or God's story as he works in Samson is actually a story of hope because despite Samson's failures and mess ups, God never gave up on him. He never gave up on him. And the same is true of us. Despite our failures, despite our mess ups, God will never give up on us. It's never too late. We will never be beyond God's reach. And we will never be separated from God's love. Isn't that assuring? I mean, is it comforting to know that? Um, Over the past two weekends, you've heard me, I think you've heard me, uh, refer to um, uh, Samson's relationship with Delilah several times. So this morning, I want to unpack that relationship a little bit. So um, I want to read to you from chapter 16, uh, verses uh, 4 and 5 to begin with. And it says, Sometime later... He fell in love with a woman in the valley of Zorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we can tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Now, let me talk you through a, a greater portion of the story. Um, Unlike what we read in chapter 14 about uh, Samson's relationship with the Philistine woman from Timnah, he saw her and he said, Get her for me. She's the one I want for my wife. Or unlike what we read in chapter 16, the first three verses about Samson's relationship with the prostitute, in this situation, something's different. Uh, In the other two situations, the Philistine from Timnah and the the prostitute, uh, it was based on physical appearance. It was based on lust. But something's different here because the story tells us that Samson actually fell in love with Delilah. In other words, there was something about Delilah that touched uh, his heart and caused, her to, caused him to fall in love with her. The Philistines learned about this relationship and they decide to seize this opportunity. So they come to Delilah with great silver in hand and they proposition her to um, entice Samson into telling her the secret of his great strength. In other words, they wanted her to play the role of a gullible, innocent woman who would deceive him into telling her the secret of his great strength. Um, Incidentally, um, this great amount of silver that they were offering her, in today's economy, it would be worth $750,000. So there was a lot up for grabs at this point. Um, It's interesting because we see that Samson fell in love with Delilah, but the same doesn't seem to be true of her. We don't read about her love in return, but what we read about is that she was willing to use him to get rich. So with this uh, proposal from the Philistines, she goes to work and she begins to play this role of the innocent, gullible woman, and she works to deceive him. Uh, unfortunately, her first three attempts are failed and, and she doesn't like that. So I wanna walk you through these three first three attempts. Uh, the first one uh, is what I would uh, refer to uh, as the, um, the bowstring theory. And so just imagine this. Um, Samson and Delilah are in this relationship, and she's in her mind I I have to deceive him. I have to deceive him. So she goes and she begins to play the role. Imagine that uh, uh, one night they are together, and she's kind of up in his space, and she's just kind of stroking his face and saying, Oh, Samson, you are so handsome. I don't know what I've done to deserve such a strong man. Like you. She's just kind of building him up and stroking him. She goes, In fact, how did you get so strong? How did that come to be? What's the secret of your strength? Will you tell me? And he says, Sure, I'd be glad to tell you. He said, If you were to tie me up with seven fresh, undried bowstrings, I would instantly lose my strength. So what's a bowstring? Well, a bowstring would actually be uh, intestines from an animal that have been dried and then placed on the bow. But he's saying, if you will use seven undried, so if you will use seven wet animal intestines and you tie me up, I'm going to lose my strength. And so uh, she alerts the Philistines. Hey, he's told me the secret. Be close at hand. In fact, she planned that so that they could hide out in the room where they were. It must have been a pretty big room because they were able to hide out in there. And um, she ties him up with these animal intestines. And then she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. And immediately he breaks loose from the bowstrings. And she is not happy. Samson, you've lied to me. Why are you making such a fool of me? I thought you loved me. And now you've lied. Why are you doing this? Please tell me the secret of your strength. He goes, okay. I was teasing with you, but now let me tell you. And so this is what I call the, the fresh green rope theory. He says, if you will tie me up with fresh green ropes that have never been used before, trust me, I will lose my strength. And so she goes to work with the plan. She alerts the Philistines. They come near. In fact, they hide out in the room. And she ties him up with seven fresh green ropes that have never been used. And then she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. And immediately, what does he do? (coughs) He breaks through the the ropes. And she is not happy. You've lied to me again. I thought you loved me. You make a fool of me. You're embarrassing me in front of these people. Samson, please. Please tell me the secret of your strength. I was teasing with you again, but now now I'll tell you. Now I'll tell you. He said, you see these seven braids in my hair? He said, if you will take these seven braids and you will put them on a loom and weave them into a solid piece of fabric, I will lose my strength. And so she's gullible. She believes him. She um, uh, pulls out the loom. And she has alerted the Philistines. They're nearby, actually hiding out in the room. And um, she uh, begins to work that hair, those braids, into a solid piece of cloth. And then she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. And he just gets up, shakes that loom. It's to pieces. He's as strong as ever. She is furious. Samson, you've lied to me three times. Why do you do this? I'm starting to doubt if you really love me. You're making such a fool of me. And he didn't give in right away. In fact, this went on for days and days and days until finally he had had it. She said, please tell me the secret of your strength. He says, okay, I'm really going to tell you this time. I'm really going to tell you. She's probably wondering, yeah, right. Uh, He said, "Um, I'm a Nazarite. And in case you don't know what that means, um, before I was ever born, one of the things that was to be true of me is I was never to cut my hair. And throughout my entire life, my hair has never, ever been cut because my strength is in my hair. And if you were to shave my head, I really, I I wouldn't have any strength. She goes, okay. So that night, they're together, and... Um, Uh, how I picture and what I'm understanding from the passage is that uh, she has him lay his head down on her lap. Have you ever, um, remember having laid your head on somebody's lap and they start stroking your hair or rubbing your face? Doesn't that feel good? And you could just kind of feel yourself dozing off going to sleep. It, it feels good. And so, he, he's in her lap. She's rubbing his his, his, his uh, face and, and he goes to sleep and she calls someone in and, and, and they, they shave his head. And she also uh, from what I can understand had tied him up with some ropes uh, just to, to test it out. And so, she's not completely sure if he's told the truth. The Philistines are waiting. They're close by with their silver um, but she starts waking him up and it says she starts waking him up with insults. Probably like, you fool, you idiot. You've been lying to me. You're a no good, dirty, rotten scoundrel. And he starts waking up and he recognizes that he's tied and she sees him kind of struggling and these aren't breaking loose. And so she calls in the Philistines. Uh, Samson gets up and he goes, I can break this free. He can't do it. He, he can't do it. And so they seize him. They take him captive they shackle him. And this is when they punch his eyes out. So now he's blind. And as their prisoner, they take him down to Gaza. And they put him to work in a, a, a mill. Uh, working with grain. And so here, here's the rest of the story. Uh, he's a prisoner. He can no longer see. He's lost his strength. And... Um, uh, the, the Philistines uh, began to have a celebration. They worshiped uh, little g god Dagon. And so they have this celebration, which probably lasted for several days. And um, as they were worshiping Dagon, one of the things they were doing was thanking him because you've given us our enemy. Because of you, we have Samson uh, in our our captivity. And and then uh, evidently the drink was flowing pretty freely during that time. And so they start feeling really good and they go, bring Samson out and have him entertain us. And so they do, they bring Samson out. And as they're bringing Samson out to entertain, them Samson makes a request he says uh, they're going to put him at the temple he says when you put me at the temple he can't see remember he says but would you put me uh, in between the pillars so that I can just kind of lean back on them and 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 they do they do exactly what he asked now let me read to you uh, another portion of the story I want to read to you chapter 16 verses 28 through 30 It says, then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died. Died than when he lived. So listen, God used Samson despite his failures. In his last living act, he prays to God and says, can I have my strength back? Evidently, his hair had begun to grow back and God empowered him once more. And so, in the midst of all that had happened in his life, he did actually Begin to fulfill his destiny in his death, because uh, he he in that day he he killed three thousand people along with himself, and he began to lead the way in leading Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. God is able to use us despite our failures, but the key is how do we respond to those failures. Uh, In just a moment, I want to take the last little bit of time to talk you through three right responses to failure. But before I do, I want you to listen to the story of a young man by the name of Gabe Allran, who grew up here in the Lincolnton area and has been able to take uh, his own failures with God's help and turn them into something of hope and help for others.
1: So my name is Gabe Allran. I'm from Lincolnton, North Carolina. I grew up in a small town going to church. I remember playing in the pews of the church. And so I knew God from like, as a child. Along the way, I I, I got lost, meaning, you know, I, I was a normal kid that was a part of the party scene. And when I got to college, my partying escalated into like drug abuse. And before I knew it, I was full blown addicted. And so I became a part of the community down here who, who kind of just, of other people who had been through what I had been through. And someone asked me, um, do you think that God forgives you? And, and I said, yeah, I, I believe that he does. He forgives our behavior said, well, then if God can forgive you, then don't you think you should forgive yourself? And that moment I realized that it wasn't that God wasn't going to forgive me for what I had done. It was that I couldn't forgive myself and allow myself the opportunity to step into my faith and become a part of the church or become a part of the community because I felt like I, I, I had done wrong through my recovery process i became a part of the church became a part of allowing myself to be open again to to god's grace and and that he does he loves me no differently no matter what i've done the best part of this is that he has used that journey that i went on that i thought was the end of my life or the worst thing that ever happened to me or something i could never recover from or just you're a drug addict you'll never be anything he has used that part of my life to now be the highlight of my life now i get to help on a daily basis other people who are still going through the middle of that journey you know he basically took my worst moments and has made that the highlight of my life. The biggest blessing in my entire life. You remember earlier I said
0: it's not a question of whether or not we will fail, but how will we respond when we do fail. And in all honesty, Gabe's initial response to his failure was not a, was not a right response. He was unwilling to forgive himself. But then he moved into a right response because he recognized in God's grace and God's mercy, God had forgiven him. So if God could forgive him, then he could forgive himself. And as he forgave himself, then he began to take uh, the past, the failures, and turn them into something that has brought great life and freedom to other people who have been suffering from what he is. I want to talk to you just quickly about three things, uh, three right responses to failure. And the first is this. A right response to failure is to recognize that failure is an event. It's never a person. Failure is an event. It's never a person. Um, Just because you fail doesn't mean you're a failure. Failure is not your identity. Failure is not your story. It's a part of your story that can be turned around and used for good, but it's not your story. We have to be careful that we don't become so introspective Uh, with our failure that it becomes this lens through which we view the world. We view the world through our failure because what happens is potentially when we do that, then we begin to work in a self-sabotage of ourselves. So remember, failure is not your identity. It's an event that happened in your life. Uh, When we fail, the natural response is remorse, but our right response is repentance. Remorse is when we feel bad about an action or a decision. Repentance is when we will own. It's when we're willing to own the failure and take it to God. That's what repentance is all about. Repentance is when we recognize that we've been moving in the wrong direction. There's a conviction of the Holy Spirit and we stop and we say, I'm going to do something about it with the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. And I'm going to come and I'm going to offer this failure to God. And when we do, what happens is we begin to experience God's redeeming work in our lives. We begin to experience freedom through his grace and through his mercy. Remorse will cause you to get stuck, but repentance will cause you to move forward. And then finally, a a third right response to failure is recognizing that even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. Even in our failures, God can still accomplish our purposes. We saw this true in Samson's life. We saw this true in Gabe Oren's life. And the same is true for us. Even in the midst of our failures, God can work in us and God can work through us. This is actually the message of the gospel. That God loved us while we were still sinners. He didn't say, get it right and then I'll love you, then I'll use you. But God loved us so much that while we were sinners, he sent Christ. And it's the message, it's the truth of the gospel that gives us the assurance that it's never too late. We can never fall so far that we are beyond God's reach or away from his love. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So today, as we're bringing this to a close, um, let me ask you, what are you building your life on? Are you building your life on past failures? Has that become your identity? Or are you building your life on the truth of Jesus Christ? Can you identify the the failures in your life that have become a stronghold? and, And that stronghold needs to be broken because it's holding you back from experiencing the fullness of life that God has for you. And if so, what are you going to do about it? Well, the answer is, let Christ work in you. Let God's Spirit work in you so that you can offer those failures to Him one last time and forgive yourself because God is forgiven you. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.